All right, let's get her going. All right, welcome back to the 24 podcast. This is Mark, and Joel is with me this week. And we are going to be discussing redemption, as well as uh, Joel has an announcement he'd like to make as well. So, Joel, how you doing? I'm doing all right, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing very fine. We, uh, we're we trying this again. Usually, as, as you folks know, usually Joel is on the end, end of the season uh, wrap-ups. And last week, I was... Uh, I was sick. I didn't have a voice when we were supposed to record, so that's why Josh and Jack were gracious enough to to jump in and cover for us. So we're here this week to do this episode. So how you doing, Joel? I'm I'm doing all right. You know, it, it must it must have been hard for you not to have a voice. Oh geez, my wife loved it. <laughs> she was so excited. <laughs> but I'm 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 sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. It was. It was a week of her life that she that she'll never get back. That's right. That's right. So, uh, twenty four redemption. This um. This uh, you know, made for TV movie. This is because of the writers' strike, if I remember right. Isn't that correct, Joel? They uh. Yeah, that's correct. They had the writers' strike, so they cut everything short, and basically the the producers of twenty four said, if we can't do a whole episode or a whole season, we're not doing any. So to uh, fill in the blank when we came back again, they did this two-hour made-for-TV movie, and uh, it was kind of cool. It was kind of neat to have it um, a little bit different, a little, uh, little different format than typically, and um, yeah. So set the stage for us, Joel. Where do, we, where do we find ourselves when we start Redemption? Well, when we start Redemption, it was, it was basically because of the writer's strike, and they wanted to bridge the gap between the end of season six and the beginning of season seven so when we start redemption we're in the fictional african nation of sangala uh-huh. i think that's how you pronounce it and jack of course you know at the end of season six you know jack said goodbye to audrey and he kind of disappeared again uh-huh and you know when we when we pick up in Redemption, he had, apparently he had traveled all around the world and ended up in Thangala, and that's where he's at at the be, at the beginning of Redemption, trying to basically get away from everything that you know from CTU, which had been decommissioned by this time, right? From CTU, from his old life, he wanted to get as far away from his old life as possible, so. He's in the African nation of Sangala, working as a missionary with an old friend of his named Carl Benton. Right. And Benton was a uh, former Special Forces guy as well. Yes. And had, um, I guess you could say, had found um, found something he loved doing, enjoyed doing, and he was uh, running kind of a, a mission for, I think it was boys that, that didn't have parents in Sangala, is that, if I remember right? And, yeah, uh, old war children. Yeah, I think the children of war heroes or something like that. Yeah, Sangala reminds you a lot of uh, you know, maybe like uh, Somalia, where I mean it had been war torn for years, and um, you know there was rumors that things were going to start again. That there was a uh, Colonel Juma, Juma, yeah, or General Juma, whatever he is, um, was planning on. Detective Michael Norris, however you want to call yeah, him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that is interesting. He's like the only guy that 
has been in 24 twice as two different people. So. Yeah, I, 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 I think they figured, oh, nobody's going to remember Michael Norris. We'll just right. throw him in there as a bad guy. Right. Yeah, and if you remember, Michael Norris is the guy that, uh, the detective that was questioning Sherry uh, back in, what was that, season two? Three? Three. Three. When uh, Sherry and uh, What's-His-Bucket's wife killed him. Oh, what was his name? <laughs> Alan Milliken. Yeah, Alan Milliken. So, yeah, he was the, the detective there and, and uh, visited with Sherry a few times. So, had a fairly, not a huge role, I guess, but a, a substantial role in a, a few episodes there. And apparently after that, he he renounced uh, being American and moved <laughs> to an African country, changed his name, and became a general. Yeah, turn, turn, turn in his badge and everything. That's right. <laughs> You'd think they would have figured that out at some point when he like starts making these problems. Wait a second. This guy's from L.A. He used to be a cop. <laughs> well, then, then, then again, you got you got to kind of give him a break because if you remember correctly, they thought Secretary Heller was dead before living another day, too. So That's true. That's very <laughs> true. Things every once in a while. That's right. That's right. We uh, so yeah, so Jack's here and, and uh, he's just uh, helping out, you know, with these kids and whatnot. And what has it been like four years? I think, four years since uh, yeah, season seven or six. It's been quite a while, and uh, you can tell that Jack's kind of for a while. You're like, wow, Jack's kind of settled in, but then you realize very quickly that he's the same old Jack, and. Uh, it's interesting because they have these kids that wanted to go play soccer and there's been rumors and everything of, you know, kids being stolen, kidnapped and, and forced to to fight in the army of this guy, uh, General Juma. And so these kids go to town and while this is happening, Jack's there and the United States Embassy shows up with a uh, subpoena and Jack very kindly <laughs> tells him <laughs> tells him where he can stick it, basically. And uh, uh-huh. tells him basically, if the government wants me, they can come get me. I'm not coming back. But uh, you know, this guy—I can't remember what was that guy's name. The guy from the embassy. Frank Tremel. Frank. Tremel. 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 I think I think it's Tremel. Let me see here. I don't know how you pronounce. It. Yeah, Tremel. Yep, got it. He uh. He does the typical kind of sleazy thing where he tells uh. Benton, you know, it'd be a shame if your funding dried up for this little neat little thing you've got going here. You know, get Jack to yeah. get, get Jack to uh, to give up. <laughs> and so, you know, Benton talks to Jack and, and they have a conversation about it. And, and it's interesting because, you know, Benton's whole comment is and they have a pretty good conversation about, you know, he tell, basically tells Jack, you can't run forever. You know, you're just not going to be able to. It just doesn't work that way. And Jack basically says, okay, well, I'll leave. You know, I know that I don't want to cause any trouble for you. I'm not trying to cause trouble and makes the decision to meet, leave. And uh, this is when those boys get kidnapped. Well, one of them gets killed, right? One of Benton's kids. One gets killed, one gets shot. A bunch of the kids get kidnapped. And Benton goes and finds them, finds that this happened. And as as he he realizes that, well, the one boy tells him that they're heading towards the, the school, right? The mission. And, uh that they're heading that way. So uh, he calls Jack and, and uh, 
Why don't you tell us, Joel, what what Jack does at that point? At that at that point, Jack, Jack decides. Jack decides to help the kids escape, and they get on this big um, bus. He gets all the kids on the bus, and they start. Him and Carl start, you know, evacuating the kids out of Sangala. Well, you missed you but, missed the part where they hide. Remember they hide underneath the school? And then Jack oh, shoots yeah, a bunch right. of people? Come on, I just, Joel. I just, I just, Joel. I just watched Redemption again last night to, to, to kind of refresh my memory on this. So Did you fall asleep during it? What was, what's the deal here? <laughs> I didn't fall asleep during it. I just watched it because I'm already in the middle of season seven. Oh, okay? gotcha. So I, went, so I went back, and when I found out we were doing Redemption, I went back and watched Redemption gotcha. to try to refresh my memory on this before we did this little podcast. Gotcha. So yeah, they hide okay. under hide underneath the school. Yeah. So anyway, they hide underneath the school, and the 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 best part of Redemption was that it showed a more. This wasn't the Jack Bauer, the, the former federal lady. It did. It did more to show to show a more. I guess you, I guess you could say human side of Jack. Right. Um. It wasn't. It wasn't really. You know. Do what you need to do, and the ends justify the means. Jack Bauer. Right. It was more of a human side of Jack. Um, cause Jack, cause Jack generally cared for these kids. Right. And when ja- and um, have we talked about Ek Debaku yet? We have not. No. Okay, Ek Ek Debaku was basically the one um, running this operation for Juma. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, his brother is killed by Jack. Yeah. I believe. Yep. Yeah, Jack kills E.K. Debaku's brother. Right. Well, and it's interesting, too. You know, Jack ends up getting captured in, in this whole thing. So and Debaku, So Debaku is basically at blood. Yeah. Well, Jack gets captured, and then uh, Benton gets back in time and finally uh, takes out a couple of the guys, and Jack kills Debaku's brother with his leg, I think. I think he, like, snaps his neck in total Jack form. Um, but yeah, yeah. So they realize that when this happens, they need to get. Well, Benton says that he has the uh, has papers for all these boys to get taken to the United States. And during this whole time, you know, there's like you know hundreds of people outside the United States embassy saying, "Please, you know, let us in. You know, take us with you. If we stay here, we're gonna die. We're gonna be killed." And um, we find out. I think we find out at the beginning of season seven that that's the case. That you know, hundreds of thousands of people have been killed. When Juma came back into uh, into Sangala, so, anyways, yeah, you're right. They throw him on a bus and they uh, start sneaking their way to uh, Sangala, trying to get. They have an hour, I think, to get to the embassy before the last helicopter takes off. So they're heading that way. Um, they hear some people on the radio that they're coming to find them, and um, so they pull off the road, realize they can't drive anymore. So. They start walking the to the main city. I can't remember what the name main city was called. Now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, Anyways, it, it's the capital, wherever it's at. So, so they're headed there, and um, as they're going through, that there's this little boy that has really latched on the Jack and was going to leave with Jack when Jack was going to leave the uh, school, and Jack told him no, and. 
Anyways, he's walking along, and he drops the scarf that Jack had given him, goes back to get it, and Benton realizes he's in the middle of a minefield. And so, you know, Benton does the uh, the heroic thing, runs and, you know, grabs him so he doesn't step on a mine and kill himself. And in the process of, he steps on a mine. <laughs> and it's yeah. one of those, you know, typical movie things where he steps on it, but he realizes so he doesn't move and he doesn't release it and set the trigger. And uh, so Jack comes back and Jack's like, oh, we're going to get it. We're going to, you know, we'll disarm it. And uh, you kind of get the idea that, that Benton must have been an, an explosives guy. Like that's what he did in the military. Because Jack starts yeah. telling him it's this type, you know, it's got a trigger here and it's this color and it's got these numbers. And and he names it. it like He's like, you know, it's this type of this type of mine. And Jack's like, well, well, we'll disarm it. And he's like, there's not time, you know. And it's a pretty touching moment. You know, Jack realizes what has to happen. And, you know, typically, I feel like in the first six seasons, Jack would have been the one to basically make that call. You know, he would have been the one that was saying, you know, there's nothing we can do about this. We just got to move on. But this time, he's the one that's like, no, no, we're not going to do this. We can't leave you. And and Benton's the one that says, no, you're you're going to leave me. You know, take the boys, get them to the embassy. You know, make sure they get on that helicopter. So, yeah, and and you kind and you kind of and you kind of had the feeling early on in Redemption, um, when Carl and Jack were talking, you had you kind of had a feeling that before the the movie was over, Carl was gonna eventually find some way to sacrifice himself right. for those kids, right? Forcing Jack, for, not, forcing Jack to go to the embassy. Yeah, you ju- you just kind of had the feeling that Carl wasn't going to make it to the end of the movie. <laughs> So he steps on he steps on his mind and he doesn't he doesn't move he gives them time to get out of there and then um, if I'm not mistaken he's surrounded by Ike Dabaku's men yeah and Dabaku himself and and Dabaku himself and I think don't they don't they rough him up a little bit well they tell him to get over there you know come over to him and he's like no and. He basically tries to lure them all in close to him so he can kill them all, you know, in the process of him dying. And so they grab him to move him, and he steps off the mine, and, you know, Jack and the boys hear an explosion a while, a ways away, and, you know, you're like, sweet, you know, Dubaku's dead. Well, he's not dead. Yeah, he wasn't quite close enough, apparently. Um, So he didn't quite die. But, um, anyways, they, uh, he's out of commission, so Jack and the boys get to uh set or the capital they get to the embassy um you know jack says we got these boys we got the papers and uh trammel's there and he basically says okay let me see the papers and and he being the kind of the jerk that he is but i mean he's just following orders but he basically says okay jack you first you know you know you know it's you or the kids you know if you want if you want these kids to be safe you need to come and you know turn yourself into me and Jack's like, you are a son of a <laughs> – like he's got some choice words for, for uh, Mr. Trammell there. But uh, Jack's not too happy with, with Frank. Right. Yeah, because he knows – I mean he knows there's no choice. He's not going to – he's not the kind of guy that's going to you know, allow you know, 15 boys to die because he doesn't want to get caught. So I mean, he turns himself in and initially they're not even going to let the boys in. And he's like screaming at Frank basically saying, you promised, you know. Let them in, and so they do. They let all the boys in, and the boys get the boys are safe. We don't hear anything about them since after that, but 
Jack's taken into custody, and and uh, we find out in season seven that he is then brought before uh, a Senate hearing to answer for all of his sins, basically. And um, but during this, there's this whole other uh, story that's going on while Jackson Sangala, and that is that apparently uh, my favorite president and yours, Daniels, had uh, had lost re-election. So apparently. You know Wayne Palmer is is out of commission. We don't really do they ever say what happened to him. There, there, there was kind of a a confusion as to what actually happened to Wayne Palmer, um, because if you if you look at one if you look at one of the um, you know those comic book those comic prequels that they put out at the beginning of every season, right? And one of those prequels had said that um, Noah Daniels had taken over as president and. Wayne had succumbed to his injuries. Oh, okay. Um, but when I when I, I saw somebody on Twitter asked David Fury about it um, a while back, and David Fury basically said uh, Wayne st- Wayne's still alive. The family suffered enough. Right. So it's kind of, it's kind of a conflicting story as to actually what happened to Wayne Palmer. But I think it was safe to say that there was no way he was going to resume his duties as president. Right. Well, and it we probably makes him the shortest president in 24 history. I know, yeah, which is too bad because he was really coming into his own. I thought, but yeah, he was really he was really starting to um, adopt some of his brother's qualities. Right. Well, and, and so you know, whatever the reason, he he didn't come back to the presidency. Injuries were too great, and uh, so. Daniels had finished out the term and had ran for re-election. And, and there's a comment he makes to uh, President Taylor, President-elect Taylor, um, that's interesting. When they're talking, they, they meet right before the uh, swearing-in, the inauguration. And, and uh, Daniels basically says, you know, some people have said that I didn't really want to win this election. And then he looks at Taylor and basically says, you know, what do you think? And she's like, well, I don't know. But, you know, he looks tired and he looks resigned, I guess, to to what happened. So I don't know. I don't know what happened. But I could see him being the kind of guy that once he got there, he didn't like it. He didn't like all – he seems like the kind of guy that didn't like the politics of it. And he just wanted wanted to be able to do what needed to be done and be done with it. And I think he probably just decided that he didn't want any part of it. Well, 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 you you know Noah Daniels from from season six. You know he's he's got a little bit of a trigger finger. Yeah, it's you true. Know, he, just, he just wanted to you know bomb this country and bomb that country and bomb this country, and that's really that's really all Daniels wanted to do. And he didn't want to you know worry about the politics of the situation. Right. right. He just wanted people to know that America was the top military force in the world. Right. That's what he. That's what he wanted to enforce. Right. And I think. And I think the events of season six, you know, with the um, I forget. I forget the. I forget the woman's name, but the woman he was sleeping with, his advisor. Right. Uh, Lisa Miller. Yep. You know the the events of season six and the drama he went through with finding out that she was sleeping with somebody else, and you know he said his wife had died. I just think all that finally caught up to him to the point to where he wanted to be president but once he got in that chair he realized that it was too much for him right 
And I think that's what that comment was about. And we find we find out in later on in season seven that Noah didn't exactly lose that race under um how do you put it? Decent circumstances. Really? Because huh. we we found out that um, President Elect Taylor's daughter had basically leaked some personal information to smear Daniel's campaign. Oh right, yeah. So Daniel's didn't exactly lose the <laughs> lose the election fairly, right? In other words, but I don't think he. I don't think he too much cared that he lost the election. To be honest, he didn't really seem like it. And because I, it, now he now he can go back to doing what what he wanted to do. Now he can go write a book. <laughs> <laughs> now go he can speak. do what he wanted to do instead of what the country you right. know wanted him to do. Right. So we have uh, President-elect Taylor, who we'll we'll meet in season seven and uh, really get to know her a little bit, and, and she's a character that I'm sure we'll talk about because. She's interesting. I can't ever decide if I like her or not. She 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 was an interesting character. Um, she she's a character that wanted things to get done, but didn't really necessarily want to take the necessary actions to get them done. Right. Um, she had a lot of inner turmoil during season during season seven um, with her daughter. And and don't forget also in Redemption there's a story about her son. Yeah, yeah, that's where I was gonna go next. Yeah, he quote unquote commits suicide. Yeah, and uh, which you know in 24 it's never that easy. Right, nobody com- nobody commits suicide in 24. Have you noticed that? No, it's no, always it's not, always not some sort of cover up. <laughs> yeah, not not unless they're bad guys about to be killed and they just kill themselves. Right, right. So, so yeah, let let's talk about Roger a little bit. So we have Roger. Uh, his her son, who I, you can't. It doesn't really say what he is. It seems like I don't know if he's just her son or if he's got some position that he's in as well. But uh, you know, he's getting ready for uh, his mom's inauguration, and his girlfriend's there, and they're getting ready to go. And and his his buddy Chris calls him, and his buddy has just had a run in, kind of with. Um, the what we know is the mastermind behind uh, the whole Sangala situation. Like we find out fairly early on that folks in the United States are helping the uh, helping the the resistance in Sangala. And you have um, John Voigt, who I can't remember what was his character's name. Jonas Hodges. Jonas Hodges. And we learn more about him. What what was his role? Was he like a senator or something or? Is he just uh, a really rich guy? I don't think he guy? wasn't a senator. I think he was just more of a private contractor. Right. Um, okay. For Starkwood. That's right. So and we. I can't. I can't remember exactly what his role was as far as the Tangala situation, but I know that he was trying to develop a weapon. Right. Um. I think he was trying to develop a weapon in Tangala which is why he needed Juma and Tabaku's help. Right. But he's, ba- he's basically the one that controls the United States portion of the operation. Right. Um, he knows about everybody in the, in the government that's working with Juma. 
Um, and Chris, if I'm not mistaken, he calls Chris and tells Chris to basically wipe everything um, that could possibly incriminate them. Wipe well, everything, everything from the computers. Well, he was at uh, – Jonas was at Chris's work talking to Chris's boss. Who we gather? I mean, I think they were like day traders, you know, investments and stuff. And uh, so Chris's boss, after Jonas leaves, tells Chris, you know, hey, you know, delete all, close these files out, and make sure nobody can find them. And so Chris, who you can tell, I mean, he's not—he's kind of a screw up, I guess. I mean, he's—he's—he's he's, he's addicted to pain pain pills, you can tell, because he keeps popping pain pills, and. Uh, even he, with his uh, you know questionable, <laughs> questionable moral uh, character, says, "Yeah, there's something not right here." So he calls the only person he can think that will help because he realizes that you know this is some sort of cover up. Calls his buddy Roger, who I think they all went to school together. It sounds like Roger and his girlfriend and Chris says, "I have to meet with you." And, and Roger's like, "Dude, I'm done with you, basically." <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "No, no, no. We have to meet. We have to meet. This is really important. I have to talk to you." So he meets with him, tells him what's going on, and, and uh, he's like, you know, you have to take this straight to your mom, basically. And Roger's like, really? It's like her first day in office, and you want me to take something like this straight to her? Go to the FBI. And he's like, well, I can't. So Roger gives in against uh, his girlfriend's wishes and basically says, okay, well, you know, where are the files? And he says, I sent them to my home computer. He's like, well, you know, get there, you know, send them to me, and then I'll see what I can do, basically. Well, he gets home. And uh, all of a sudden, Hodges' men are there. Basically, they uh, question him and tell him, you know, ask him what he knows and where the files are. And I think they pretend to be FBI or something. You yeah. know, they they pretend that they're uh, on the up and up. And uh, do they end up? I can't remember. Do they end up killing him? They they killed Chris. Yeah. Um. Do they? I is, can't is it Roger they kill right at the end of the episode too? Toward the end of the episode, Roger dies. Because yeah. I can't remember because they show like right at the very end, right before the end, they show somebody being uh, buried in cement, which is very, which is very uh, mafia of Jonas, <laughs> very mafia. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, it's very uh, mob-ish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of, it was kind of uh, morbid of twenty-four, but. And again, you saw later on in later on in season seven, you know they they pretended to bury Renee Walker and a bunch of dirt too. So right, yeah, they. Uh... I'm, I'm I'm starting to think that that whole little group there, that whole little group, um, are very um, hitman like. That's what it seems like. They're kind of a throwback to the '30s a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I think Al Capone was their hero or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, when. You, Al Capone and Jonas Hodges, I can see a little bit of... Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I can buy that. <laughs> but, but, but Roger dies. Roger dies, yep. Um, and that, you and, know, that plays a big part in season seven. Yeah, because you have uh, Taylor's husband, Henry, the first gentleman, as they call him here. Which yes. I guess that's what you would call him. It's interesting. Huh. Yeah, for, for, first husband just doesn't really roll off your tongue. Right. <laughs> Right. So anyways, you you find as season seven starts it, you know, 
Henry does not believe that his son committed suicide. Apparently, he's watched previous episodes of 24, and he knows that nobody commits suicide on the show. <laughs> or something. I don't know. You yeah, know, he's, he's, he's like, hold up. I'm on I'm I'm 24. Nobody ever commits suicide. That's right. So, that's right. So he, he's, he's on a personal crusade to find out exactly what happened with his son's murder. Right. And so, he doesn't care who he has to go through or what it does to his wife's administration. Right. He wants to find out who killed Roger. Well, and it's interesting. I don't want to get too much into season seven and eight, but. You know, it's that dynamic of does your family come first or does the country come first that completely tears apart that family. You know, as it continues on, you know, not just their son but their daughter as well. I mean, um, you know, President Taylor makes some some tough decisions and Henry just can't go along with him. So that's – it's an interesting dynamic that, you know, I don't think we've ever seen in 24 before. You know, it's the first time that, that this type of thing happens. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think we've we've ever had that kind of dynamic, um, because other than other than President Palmer, we haven't really had a president in office that we had to deal with the spouse, right? You know, during the during the um the season, or their family at all, really. Yeah, not. The I other, mean, the other presidents were just like they were here, and when you blinked your eyes, they were gone. So, well, and, and the only one that I can remember even seeing any type of family was uh, – oh, what was the guy's name that was after uh, David Palmer, the guy that got killed on the helicopter or in the airplane? Keeler. Keeler, yeah. That, I mean we saw his son, but that was it. You know? Yeah, and we, and we only saw him the last episode as right. he was getting ready to die. Right, right before the, hel- or the plane got <laughs> shot down. Yeah, so – so it is other, other other than that, you know, besides President Palmer, we haven't really gotten to know any of the president's family. Right. Yeah, it is it's a different dynamic. So it, it definitely plays into season seven and you know, has some impact on things. So yeah, and it, it, it's it's interesting in see in and redemption and the lead into season seven to see how twenty four adapt without PTU. You know it. It's the first season without CTU, and it's weird. <laughs> it, it's a little, it's a little hard to get used to. I have a, and, you know, as, as I start, as I started season seven, I have a hard time with FBI headquarters. <laughs> exactly because it, CTU is kind of the the, the the gritty organization that does things that the FBI wouldn't do. Right. And it's kind of hard seeing Jack work with the FBI. He does, knowing, though, knowing you know. that he spent pretty much the entire history of 24 doing things that we know the FBI wouldn't do. Right. Well, and I, I don't want to get into Season 7 too much. We're going to get into that next week. But it's interesting. Like, I don't know about you, but, you know, they all make kind of comments about CTU. You know, starting with the senator and, uh, you know, then Walker says a little bit. But then Larry Moss says some stuff like, well, we're not CTU and we're not like CTU. And, and I'm almost defensive. You know, like I hear him say that kind of stuff. I'm like, shut up, man. CTU's awesome. You know, so it, it's interesting how that how you can tell that in CTU the last. Yeah, but you can tell in the last four years that that C, you know, I mean, I think that was, you know, it didn't stop at uh, Buchanan and Hayes being asked to resign. I mean, it, it didn't stop until the entire organization was completely destroyed, you know. They, yeah, when, whoever it was, was out for blood. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, when, and, and we and we find out, you know, a little bit in season seven that Senator Mayor was pretty much the one spearheading the whole thing. Right. And Buchanan resigned. Hayes resigned. Of course, Jack disappeared. Nadia was left in charge. So we don't we don't know exactly how long after season six it was decommissioned, but we pretty much knew at the end of season six that that was going to be the last of the CTU as we know it. Right. Because, you know, season eight, and I don't want to get into season eight or anything, but that CTU was, it was, it was CTU and name only. Right. Because I, I really didn't feel like it was CTU. Right. Season six was pretty much the end of the CTU as we know it. Yeah, pretty much. And you might remember the uh, senator from uh, other television shows, like uh, That 70s Show. So yeah. that's, <laughs> I remember when I first saw him, I'm like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> It's just such a different role. It's it's hard not to laugh, you know, when you see him. Yeah, exactly. I'm 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 halfway expecting him to just kick his feet up on the desk and, right. and grab a newspaper, or make some comment about you dang kids, you know, rolling your doobies or something. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you you dang whippersnappers torturing kids and rolling your doobies. And That's stuff. right. That's right. <laughs> so, but 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 he he was. I didn't like him at the start of season seven, but toward the end of season seven, right before he left, um, I started to warm up to him a little bit more because he, he wasn't a bad guy. He was just somebody that wanted to do what he thought was right. Right. Yeah. He was just trying to, on behalf of the American people, you know, get to the bottom of what happened. Now, you know, we'll, we'll get into it in season seven, I'm sure, but the... I guess the the monologue that Jack has right at the beginning of season seven is absolutely fantastic. Where he basically, you know, says, "If you're asking me to be sorry and apologize for what I did, I'm not going to do it." You know, you guys sit here in this room and you can make all these decisions now. You know, Monday morning quarterback, if you will. He's like, "But I did what had to be done." You know, I'm called in when when they need results, and that's what I give. And uh, it's it's pretty awesome. It's a really really great. And it goes back to that whole, you know, you and I have talked in in prior season recaps about how Jack, while he doesn't follow the rules, he does believe in the rule of law, you know, and he's not, he's not just a, he's not a renegade, you know, he, he does what he thinks right, but then he's willing to accept responsibility for doing those things as well. Yeah, Jack Jack is always willing to accept responsibility for for his actions um like you, you notice in prior seasons when when directors of ctu would um question jack about something Ill- illegal that he did and they would try to falsify a report you know to make it not seem as bad and yeah. jack would be like no you submit the report as is right because jack is always willing to accept the consequences of his action right as long as his actions lead to results getting done, then he is fine with whatever consequences he comes to. That's right. So that, that, uh, that's basically what he told Senator Mayor. Right. Yeah, do what you will to me, but I'm not going to regret it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. If, if you, if you want to prosecute me and send me to jail, that's fine. But if you're asking me to apologize and regret the things that I did, I don't. Right. So let's – Uh, I think that's a pretty good – cover of that's the most we've ever been able to cover of an episode of 24 we uh typically we're running so fast that we don't get to 
go into every little detail. So this was kind of fun for that yeah. reason. But uh, let's switch gears a little bit, Joel. You've got a little bit of uh, news, a little announcement that you wanted to share that we wanted to, uh, to have you share. So uh, what do you got? Well, um, about, I'd say a month ago now, um, I finished a a little bit of a project that I was working on because one, one thing that I've always been, that's always been about me is music. Okay. And I tried to figure out a way, how can I incorporate my love for music into my love for 24 right and with 24 coming back in now what is it 63 days something like that <laughs> but who's counting <laughs> yeah who's counting so with with 24 coming back in about two months i decided to kind of combine the two so i am a musical artist so i decided to basically record a 24 tribute um it was a, a tribute to all the seasons of 24. Um, I didn't get too much of season eight in there, but I got most of the seasons. Right. Um, and I recorded a song. It's called the It's called the Madness. And I tried to find I tried to find the right video for that, but I couldn't find the right video on YouTube that would go along with the song that I did. Uh huh. So I decided to make my own. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I basically made my own video um, in support of 24 to the song "The Madness." And "Madness" is kind of a it's kind of a vague title, but it kind of describes 24 perfectly. Yeah, it does. <laughs> because everything that goes on within that 24-hour period is nothing but madness. Right. <laughs> you know, from, right. From hour one to hour twenty-four is basically nonstop, nothing but madness. Yep. And I, it's going on. It's going on my new album that's coming out in about a week or so. Um, it's called Believe, and it's it's something very personal to me. Uh huh. Because you know, I, I joke around and I and I laugh a lot and everything like that. But one thing that's very personal to me is my music. Right. It, it describes who I am. It describes what I've been through. And I decided to let that particular song describe and the video describe basically what Jack's been through for his entire eight years, eight seasons, excuse me, leading up to 24 Live Another Day. Right. And I'm working. I'm working on a website at the moment to um, actually sell my CD on. Uh-huh. Um, I'm in the process of finalizing some things now to put on put on the website. Right. And I'm working. I'm working with this um, organization called World Vision, uh-huh. which basically helps um, needy children around the world. So half of the proceeds from my album are going to that charity nice that's um, awesome. because it's not not really it's not really about money to me um even though money's nice and everything like that it's not really about money to me it's about more of getting my message across right and helping helping a charity like that is something that I've always wanted to do but I've never had the financial um means to do it right 
So with this with this CD coming out, um, it gives me the financial means to do it. Nice. And it appeal it appeals to a lot of different people. So I wanted to put something on that album that appealed to the 24 fan base that that has that I've grown to since I started doing the podcast. Right. You know, since I started since I started helping y'all with the podcast, I've I've became friends with a lot, a lot of different people. Right. Um, a lot of different people that started following me because of my work on the podcast, all that I post. Um, so out there that you know um, adhere and I and I knew that if I put that point awesome so is the is the video available on YouTube I'm sorry is the video available on YouTube it is available on YouTube. Okay. Um, I can't. I can't remember how many views it's had last I checked. Okay. But it is available on YouTube. Just type in the badness, and it come right up. Okay. We'll uh we'll link to that in the show notes as well. So uh, head on over to the twenty four podcast dot com, and we'll make sure it's there as well. Check it out, and um, you know that's that's awesome, Joel. I knew you had a CD coming out, but I I didn't know about the. Uh, the charity portion of it so that's really cool and uh certainly uh follow joel on twitter uh at gifted money and um i'm sure you'll be sharing with us when the the website gets up and and uh people can check out the cd yes it, it, it might it might be up by the time you know the, the podcast airs perfect um but if not it'll be up shortly after that perfect yeah so follow joel on twitter and uh check out the 24 podcast to watch that video and uh, dig around there and see some of the other show notes and some of the other uh, other posts that Joel's posted, and uh, that'll be awesome. So I have listened to it. I've watched the video. The video is awesome, Joel. That goes with it. It's just cool. I mean, it's you know, it, like you said, it goes through all eight seasons, and and uh, it's kind of a a real quick recap, and it's really kind of it's a fun way to remember twenty four. So you know, we appreciate you doing that, and I know the twenty four fans are gonna gonna love it as well. Yes, I, that that that's what that's what I hope. I wanted to I wanted to make an accurate depiction of twenty four as possible. Perfect. So, alrighty. Well, uh, as always, uh, share this with a friend. Share uh, share it on social media and follow us on Twitter. The uh, twenty four podcast is at the twenty four podcast, and uh, my Twitter is at scrop two s k r o p p two. And uh, we're always having conversations there, always uh, discussing things and and uh, having some pretty good uh, discussions. I know Joel and Jack have been going back and forth a little bit lately, and that's fun and and uh, really enjoyable. So certainly follow us and uh, follow the hashtags, and and we'll have some good times and preparing to uh, have 24 come back again in 63 days, right? Isn't that what you said, Joel? Yeah. Okay. 60, 63 days and I think uh, 23 hours <laughs> <laughs> so alright folks we'll have a good week and we will uh, be back here next week discussing season 7 thanks Joel alright thank you